Today's guest is currently traveling the world to coach leaders, mentor executives, and professional athletes. He's also promoting his most recent book on leadership, The Positive Leader. Former chairman of Microsoft Europe, he's been a speaker at Harvard, INSEAD, Cambridge, ESMT, to mention just a few schools. And he has been interviewed by CNN, CNBC, Bloomberg, Financial Times, New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Please welcome Jan Mülfeit, joining us from Prague. Jan, thank you for being with us this evening, and thank you very much for the contribution. Welcome. No, thank you very much for inviting me and having me. The line of discussion that I would actually like to develop this evening is about self-awareness, energy, and success versus happiness. In your book, The Positive Leader, How Energy and Happiness Fuel Top-Performing Teams, you suggest that true leadership starts with self-awareness, which in the Western world, you say, is highly undervalued. Many Western leaders are very well equipped to deal with what you call external knowledge, but they do not know much about what is called intrinsic knowledge. Could you please describe this, these two concepts a little bit more and we'll get into more detail about those. Absolutely, because even if you look at the best schools today, and I do, I, I work with ESMT, INSEAD, Imperial College, Cambridge. I do some lessons from time to time at Harvard. Even the best schools are not teaching self-awareness. And for a leader, this is the most important thing, because unless you understand who you are, you cannot understand other people. You cannot create, you know, well-performing team. No, you cannot create complementary team and inspire people because you, you don't know them, right? And unfortunately, even if we talk about the companies, it's also like that because we are teaching people what is around them, but we are not teaching them what is inside them, okay? Because if you look at the top performers, high achievers, and these days I coach a couple of Olympic Games winners, some top uh, star singers, you know, moderators. I, I coach even models and obviously top managers because it's close to what I did in the past. There's a one common link. Those achievers... It's around 10% what they do about the subject they do and 90% about their mindset. I'm saying that everybody is CMO and I don't mean chief marketing officer. I mean chief mind officer because the only thing we have total power over is our mind, specifically our you know reaction to what's going on around us on, on the stimuli. Psychologists, they call it the freedom of choice, you know, right? You are, you are free to choose what is your reaction on your ideas, on your emotions, and etc. And the truth is that we best perform in so-called flow space, where basically you can imagine flow. Those are the situations where the challenge is high. It's you know very tough for you. On the other hand, you are at your best, which means you are used. You are using your best talent. So those are the flow moments where athletes are like losing sense of the time. Friend of mine who is cardiochirurgist is saying like, when I'm doing the surgery, after three hours, I, if, the, if the box is falling with some instruments, I don't hear it because in the flow, there are like, there's no mind. There are, you know, no ideas, no emotions because you are totally in the present moment. And 
you know, all Olympic Games, tournaments, Wimbledons, you know, or businesses are won one present moment after the other, one ball after the other. It's not like, hey, I, I'm going to win. No, you need to win. The best way to influence the future is the present moment, is the flow. Because in the flow, our brain is in alpha stage, which means that our brain can go to the subconsciousness where we basically accumulate during our life all experiences, all ideas and everything. And more you are in the alpha level, you are more open to your hard disk where your all your you know experience is accumulating. And obviously you are you know more in the flow when you use your talents and strengths, your natural talents and strengths. The truth is that today, and I'm saying that in the book, the world is totally obsessed by the weaknesses because our brain is not constructed as a tool to win, as a tool to succeed, but as a tool to survive because obviously survival was first priority for the humankind. That's why our brain is searching for basically the issues with security and safety, whatever. Our brain is like asking, what is the danger? What is the danger? That's why we are jumping on the weaknesses. And the system is all based on the weaknesses. According to Gallup, if the kids are getting, you know, one in Europe or eight in the US, family tends to spend 7% of their time with the best subject. If they are getting F or five in Europe, the worst subject, 70%. So our children are defined by their parents, not what they know, but what, what by what they don't know. In work, workplace, workplaces, it's even worse. According to Gallup, only 13% of the people on their day-to-day work are using talents and strengths. So 87% are coming just for the, for the, because of the money, you know, right? So the whole, I'm always saying the whole world is running on less than one-fifth of the capacity. Because, as I said, if you use like more natural talents, then obviously you can be more authentic in your job, in your sport, in the art. And then you can be much more in the flow because you can't get in the flow through the weaknesses. There's no way because flow is defined by by the fact that, you know, it's very tough for you and you use talent in the best. So that's why I believe self-awareness is key is highly underestimated and you know very often we we start with like coaching people from the middle when we are coaching people they are maybe climbing climbing the the ladder but then they at the end of the life they figure out that that you know ladder was facing the wrong wall that there was like wrong meaning in their Mm -hmm. life because they didn't use what was like their natural talent their natural strength so, Jan, how about those 87%, you said about 87% of people right. who have not found their talent, who are not living in the flow, and I believe they're concentrating mostly, one can infer that they're concentrating mostly on their weaknesses, or living a life passively, they're drifting along life uh, simply to, to survive and to get that paycheck. What should they do? One quick question. And the other one, right. what should a leader do with armed with the knowledge that you're providing in your book? Yeah, well, you know, in fact, when I took my first international role in the year 2000, the system in Microsoft was the same like a school. We would say those three competencies are weaknesses. Build your development plan on your weakness, you know. Then I changed it and I said, no, we will do it very differently. And we started with StrengthsFinder from Gallup. That's the test which is showing you like your strengths, you know. 
And once we change it, before that, that team was like an average, five, six, ten, sometimes out of the 13 regions. Once we change it and we use what is best in the people, I basically one my people on, on my side, I was saying, be more of who you are, which means like we are building on the strengths. I don't believe that you can change the people. What you can do, you can use what is best in your people. A lot of leaders are saying, People are the most important asset for us. It's only halfway true. The truth is that your people's strengths are the most important asset and you use it, you unlock that potential or not. You know, the choice is yours as a leader. Today, com you know, competition can copy everything. Program, products, they can, you know, uh, uh, hire your partners, whatever. The only thing which is really long-term competitive advantage are the strengths of your, you know, people. So for the leaders, you need to change the system and base your, you know, company, your team on the strength. Use what is best in the people. Because once I change it, the same team which was before that average was four times in the row best performing team worldwide for Microsoft, right? So in fact, I believe that for building superstar team, you don't need to have all superstar players. You need to have a you know good players put them complementary together because my strengths are your weaknesses and the other way around and inspire them and that's the whole thing if you are like individual and you want to change you need to figure out what is giving you the energy and those are usually strengths and what is taking energy from you those are you know the weaknesses and if your boss i just got some question at big university in uk how about if my boss is putting me only in the projects and in, in the row where i can only use my weaknesses and my answer was then you are living the life of somebody else this is not your authentic life and I think that those 87% of the people, they are not living their lives. You know, I'm always saying that the world is full of the copies, but only orig originals are really playing in the Premier League and are changing the history. But unfortunately, because of the system we have in the schools and the workplaces, uh, the situation is like that. And it's, it's not changing very much, I must say. Clearly, managing energy levels for a leader is absolutely crucial. And I also want to ask you directly whether you've had moments in your life in which you have felt overcommitted, meaning that you're drained or at some point you're depressed. And if so, why do you think you reached that point? And if you could, what advice would you give to a younger self? Perfect. Yeah. First, you know, on energy, because I, I speak in the book about four big mistakes we do. Number one, we concentrate on the weaknesses, not on the strengths. Number two, we think that, you know, plan is everything. And, but you know, it's the other way around. We need to be inspired first and then we can do the plan. Huge difference between motivation and inspiration. We think that we need to manage the time, but time is external. The only thing we can manage is our energy. And we think that more success will bring us happiness. And it's the other way around. In the past, people were like hunting, having a rest, hunting, having a rest. Today, we are hunting, hunting, hunting. And then there is like, you know, sometimes a heart, uh, heart attack or, you know, uh, depression and etc. Right now, if I would like do kind of the scorecard, energy scorecard for Jan, I would say, you know, physical because I'm former, you know, a professional tennis player and I still do a lot of sports. It's probably one. I'm, I was doing really very well in my career. Emotional, one to two. It was quite, you know, well. 
mental between four and five, and I will explain immediately why. And spiritual, again, one to two, I was quite good. Now, why mental four to five? Because unfortunately, I went five years ago through very deep depression and I almost died. It was so deep that I was like looking forward to months that I will die, that it will finally, I believe, like free up and so on. I recovered. I've got a lot of learning from that. Number one, why did it happen? Because usually depression is genetically, you know, driven. In my case, nobody got it in my family, even in a broke family. So I really drilled down why did it happen? And obviously, why did it happen? Because I was not able to have a mental rest. My mind was always like running new things, new con- new concepts, and that are never, never having mental rest. And that bubble was basically getting bigger, bigger, and it bursted when I was 50 years old, big time, you know, right? Uh, as I said, so that, that was one learning. The other learning was that, uh, you know, really, uh, the, the 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 happiness is not one point on the timeline. That's what I thought probably because I was like, even let's do one more, one more year, one more year, one more year. Uh, and it's not like that. Happiness is basically the joy you have on the way to the success, you know, right? That's the way, you know, you are opening, you are unlocking your potential. Uh, that's the other big learning. And, and the third big, uh, biggest learning was that, in fact, I was like, you know, in the tennis sense, playing tennis against the wall, you know. I was just competing with me. And you, I mean, there's no way you can win against the wall. You can, you have better chances to win against Federer or Djokovic as, as opposed to the wall. So I want other people to avoid it. That's on the, on the energy and on the happiness, obviously. I've got a privilege to travel and do some work with, you know, the richest guy. Bill Gates is the richest guy in the world. And, you know, Bill was at that time one of the most famous guys. He was the richest in the world. But I believe he got one of the happiest guys in the world. When he started to distribute his own money in his meaningful way, he found a meaning in that money. And he started to distribute it on the purposes which he felt like those are my purposes. HIV vaccine, Africa, agriculture, education. And he got, you know, very happy. And that, that's why I, I changed really like my philosophy, because I think happiness is really the way. It's fine, you know, obviously, to like looking forward that I'm winning Olympic Games, that I will get the great fiscal year. That's about all about motivation. That's about the, the final results. That's, you know, you need to have it. But you need to laugh the way. You need to laugh what you do. That's the other point that you need to have the motivation, which is important, and inspiration in the balance. Because if it all would be only about the motivation, about the money, how comes that the English soccer team, those you know players are best players in the world individually, and they are paid like 10 to 15 million pounds every year, and they lost to the fishermen from Iceland, you know, because the Iceland guys, they were playing by heart. Very often what can happen, and they call it in psychology, uh, the existential vacuum, that you basically losing your sense of, uh, uh, you know, your meaning, sense of uh, the meaning. Viktor Frankl, who is, uh, uh, who was, he passed away. He was a great uh, psychiatrist. He survived from Austria. He survived a couple of Nazi camps. And he's saying that if you have a meaning in your life, 
you survive everything. And his meaning in the life during those tough times when he was in Nazi camp was that he needs to write book about the experience. And that's exactly what happened. On the other hand, the other prisoners who were like in a better physical shape, they were looking forward that after New Year, the Soviet army would free up the the camp which did not happen and they died after two weeks because they lost the meaning of their life so i think that inspiration and meaning in your life it's very important and that's the last point i'm giving kind of the you know advice how you can find your meaning you can find your mission and i'm saying those are like three circles first circle it's your talents your strengths and you can do the test or you can ask you know what are my uh, activities like giving me the energy what are the activities taking energy from the other circle is passion and those are activities which are putting you in the flow so basically it works like you take talents from the first circle and ask what are the activities where those talents are putting me in the flow that's the second circle and you still need to check it with the third circle which which is like your values whether you know those passions those flows are in harmony with your values right the the flows you can figure out that circle basically if you look like last 14 days when were those moments when you were really in the flow when you were losing your time and etc and the personal values it's usually those are usually things what you admire in the other people so if you take like five people and one thing per each person you can figure out like five personal values and in the center where those circles are overlapping that's the that's the meaning basically that's your own meaning that's your own mission yeah i wanted to thank you for the inspirational talk and interview absolutely wonderful great material for everyone and i find it especially useful for leaders like myself who are starting to have an impact in the world this is an absolutely great compass to navigate the world out there that a manager or a leader could find i'm also really looking forward to your next book I, I'm, I'm confident they will be as, as good and as great as the current one. So thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you very much, Rio, for having me. And I wish all, you know, young leaders, <laughs> more senior leaders, all the best. Because, you know, I think the leadership is very often people are, you know, writing very complicated <laughs> books about that. I think leader is the guy who is able to put like the the strengths of they you know people together so there's like synergetical team and that's one thing and the other thing is able to inspire people so they start to believe in what he or she believes and then people will move in the nutshell leader is somebody who is making thanks to that vision and inspiration crazy himself first of all herself and then making crazy other people who are following it this is it uh, once again thank you very much yeah. You just listened to Inspire Me, and I am your host, Real Fortuna.